0: We continue with our series of Genesis, the book of beginnings, and we now focus after discussing the four great events, we discussed four great people, and last week we started to study and read about Abraham. Now, I copied and pasted a, a headline that we will share later on. But do you realize that Abraham is the father of the Hebrew race, as well as he is the father of the Muslim race? So we will be discussing that later on. I just want us to see the importance of this man called Abraham. And last week, as we studied Genesis chapter 12, the title of the message was B2B. Which in you know business to business, that's fine. But for our purposes in Genesis chapter twelve, we said B2B means blessed to bless. Now many of us, myself included, when we get a blessing, many times it's we keep the blessing, right? Because you don't want to part, you don't want to let go of the blessing. But then if you really think about it, if you catch the blessing and hold on to it then how can God bless you more? Because your palms are closed. But if as you accept the blessing, your, your palms, your hands are open for God to use you to be a channel of that blessing, then I submit to you, God will even bless you more. And Genesis chapter 12 verse 2 says, And this is God talking to Abraham, and he said, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. Do you see the pattern? Do you see the channel? First it was God, and then He said He will bless who? Abraham. And then in the process of blessing Abraham, what will happen? Abraham will bless others. But we're not after the blessing. The presence of God is the main blessing. And in God's economy, He blesses us. He blesses us so so much that we see here the promise of God of blessing. In Genesis 12, verse 3, He says, I will bless you. I will bless those who, what? Bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, we see the promise of God, the promise of God's blessing to Abraham. And in verse 3, we see God's protection. It's as if God was holding us, protecting us. And he says, those who bless you, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse. Do you realize that the nation of Israel, in relation to the whole of the Middle East is but a a small speck? Why do you think that they are not overpowered? Ah, because America is helping them, etc., etc. In honesty, why are they blessed? Why are they protected? Because of God. It is God's protection. It is God's promise to them. That's why they are not consumed by their enemies around them. Last week, we also discussed God's triangle of blessing, right? We see the triangle. And who is at the apex of the triangle? God. True blessings come from God. Amen? They don't come from people. They don't come from money. They don't come from your job. They come. Genuine blessings come from God. And we need to know God's word. We need to know God. We need to know God's Word. Because faith comes from hearing, hearing the Word of God. So at the bottom of the triangle, you need faith. You need faith to read the Word of God and to believe for yourselves that those promises of God are meant for you. And as you focus on God and study His Word, you develop your faith. And if you have the right focus and if you have the right faith, this faith will work itself out evidence in a life of obedience. You don't obey so that God loves you. You already know that God loves you and your love response to God's love for you is a life of obedience. God, you believe God by faith and what happens? You begin to obey because you love God. Are we okay? Okay. So, what did Abraham do? In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, God told Abraham, Abraham, leave your country, leave your family, leave everything behind, and go to this this place that I will yet show you. No problem, God. I'm only 25. That's just an example. I'm not 25. You know this. God, I'm only 25. I have my whole life ahead of me. So, yes. Let's go. The problem is this. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot with him. Now Abraham was what? Seventy-five. At seventy-five, I submit to you, it's not easy to start again. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. All things are possible with God. And we shared with you that God's triangle of blessing really is that true faith is centered on God and His Word, evidenced by obedience. And where does blessing come? After. After you obey. Why? Because when you obey, you will know that the Word of God is true. And in the process of your obedience, what happens? You're blessed. Maybe materially, maybe relationally, maybe spiritually but you will be blessed. I don't know the manner by which God will bless you, but I assure you that God is a blesser. And faith is important because we learned last week that without faith, it is impossible to please God because everyone who comes to God must first believe that He is God and secondly, that He is a rewarder to those who what? Earnestly seek Him. It didn't end in that He is a rewarder, Period. It says that he is a rewarder to those who earnestly seek him. That word earnestly means diligently. Part of your diligent journey with God is coming to worship, attending a small group, reading your Bible, prayer, all of the above. So are you a diligent seeker of God? He says, if you seek me, you will find me. Okay, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with? There you go. All your heart. Who are you running after? Who are you seeking for? Are you seeking after God? Are you seeking after God with your whole heart? If you are, His promises, you will find Him. Amen. Now, let me ask you. Okay? I'll show you two pictures. And the question is this. Where would you rather live? Right? Where would you rather live? This is the first picture. This is the second picture. Again, again. Maybe you're not, uh, you're, you're still deciding. That's the first picture. You like to live there or you like to live here? Wow! Talaga! Really! So you like to live there? Wow! What are you doing in America? You like to live there or you like to live here? Honestly! Honestly! If you are a human being like me, right? If you are a human being like me, if you are like a me, a sinner saved by grace, you would like to live there. Yes? That's just the honest truth. Why? We like to live in a certain luxury, certain uh, privilege, so to speak. Right? We basically, oh, wow, I wish I can get out from that situation. Honestly, right? Now. No. It's not so clear. But this lady is smiling. She is happy. You know why she is happy? Even in that shanty. International care ministries. We were able, Pastor Danny was there, Pastor Desmond was there. We were able to go to Bacolod and minister to the indigent pastors. The pastors who live near the uh, waters. They live by the river. They live by the water where the mangrove forests are. Now what she does is she has been helped by international care ministries to provide a livelihood so that she and her family will have food to eat. They have a small business so that they can make money So that they can tithe. So that their pastor would not be indigent anymore. You get the process? She was blessed so that she could be a blessing. And the blessing that she would receive, she would make a blessing to the church that will in turn give the blessing to their pastor. But is anything wrong with this house? What's that? (laughs) What is this house used for? You see what I'm driving at? Even if you live there, you might be better off living there than living there. See, the title of our message this morning, you must fill in the blanks, okay? Huh? Fill in the blanks. Again, ayaw niyo. No, you don't. No, you don't. Ayaw nyo pa? No, you yo, don't. If you don't get the message, I don't know what it is. Now you see it, no you don't. And before we begin, let's continue with the word of prayer. God Almighty, we thank you that even if our eyes are human and frail and directed to other things, we pray, Lord God, that this morning that you will open our eyes, open our hearts, that we might see beyond our circumstances. Because many times, Lord God, to be honest, we think that we see, we think that we know. But in reality, Lord God, we don't. We don't know and we don't see. Will you open our hearts, Lord God, this morning and speak to all of us that the glory goes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 13. We learned from last week. That when Abraham was following God God allowed a famine To come into the land And we learned from last week That when the famine hit The first reaction or the knee-jerk reaction Of Abraham was to flee to Egypt Why? Egypt was progressive Egypt was rich Egypt was advanced much like the U.S. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev, and he and his wife and all that belonged to him and Lot with him. Now Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. What happened? When he went to Egypt, Pharaoh and his court saw Sarai was very pretty. So Abraham. Fearing for his life, he told his wife, tell them that you are my sister. It was also partly true that Sarah was Abram's half-sister. But Abraham did a half-lie, also half-truth. He lied. Because if it's not 100% true, what is it? It's a lie. So Abraham lied. But God prevented Pharaoh from having sexual relations with Sarai who was married. And God sent a plague to them. So what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh rebuked Abraham. What is this that you have done? Why did you tell me that she is your sister? She is your wife. Depart! So they were deported. But in the process of that, God still blessed them. Look what happened. Abraham, because Pharaoh had favor on Abraham, Pharaoh gave him gold, silver, and livestock. He was already rich when he went to Egypt. But when he left, he was even richer. Now, Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Then what happened? He went on his journey from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So what did he do? He sinned against God. First he was obedient. Then he sinned against God. He trusted Egypt. He trusted Pharaoh. He trusted riches. He went there without consulting God. So, what did God do? God intervened. God protected Pharaoh. Pharaoh kicked them out. They were more blessed than they were when they came in. So, what did Abraham do? He went back. He went back to the place he first encountered the promise of God that Abraham, I will bless you. And I will make you a great nation. And all nations will be blessed through you. At 75 childless, with his wife barren and old, and her womb basically dried up, as the Bible says. He went back to God. He went back to his encounter with God. And I challenged us last week, wherever you are, you can always go back to God. God invites you, return to me. Return to me with all your heart, he said. So that's what Abraham did. He went back to the place where he first encountered God, where he first heard the promise. And there he built an altar. You know, this is the only fixed construction that Abraham did. He built an altar. And there he worshipped. There he prayed. There he called upon the name of the Lord. So Abraham was basically all over the place. From all of the Chaldeans, he went to Haran. From Haran, he stopped at Bethel near Ai, where he prayed, where he built an altar. There was a famine. He went down to Egypt. He got kicked out. And then what did he do? He went back. He returned to God. Now in that travel, you will see that there was a nephew that was with him. Now Lot, who was with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. Who is Lot? Lot was the son of Abram's brother, Haran. Haran had died. So who took over, caring for his nephew, Lot, but Abraham? Lot was with Abraham now remember Abraham was blessed and the number of his flocks the amount of his gold and silver had also increased and what is happening to Lot Lot went with Abraham and what he also had flocks and herds and tents notice that you if you are with someone who is blessed the blessing spills over to you. If you're always with someone who is complaining, grumbling, and argumentative, if you're not careful, you will be that same person. Complaining, grumbling, and argumentative. But if you're a person who is faithful, faithfully walking with God, who is blessed by the favor and presence of God, Inevitably, the blessing will spill over to you. Lot was blessed. He also had his own flocks and herds and tents. And what happened? And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. Have you experienced such blessing that as the Bible says, your blessings will overflow that your barns cannot contain it anymore? You know where that comes from? From the book of Malachi. And God says, test me in this. If I do not open for you the floodgates of heaven and pour out to you a blessing that your barns cannot contain. Where does that come from? giving a tithe to the Lord God bless Abraham and God also blessed lot but then do you see that a problem is beginning to brew they were so blessed that the land could not contain the blessing both Abraham and lot were blessed and verse 7 There was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling in the land. Do you see the situation now? Can you see it? What was developing now? Problem. Strife. Now what is strife? Strife by definition is the act of striving or vying with one another. Contention or competition, the act or state of fighting or quarreling, especially bitterly, struggle, a conflict, quarrel, dispute, and it's becoming contentious. Because of the blessing, the herdsmen of Abraham were now contending with the herdsmen of Lot because they're now vying for the same piece of property. For the same piece of grass. You have herds. Your herds need to eat. Your herds need to graze. But then what happens? Oh, Lot's herd is there. Or Abraham's herd is there. So what happens? There began to be strife. There began to be contention. There began to be competition with one another. Now mind you, this is not between Abraham and Lot. This is between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot. So, it's not yet escalated to the point that it's between Abraham and Lot. Right? Now, what did Abraham do? So, Abraham said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. What do you notice about Abraham? Was he quarrelsome? Was he envious? Was he divisive? Or was he humble? Was he a peacemaker? What did he want? He wanted peace. Let's not quarrel. We are brothers. We should not quarrel. Right? Now, who is older? Abraham or Lot? Abraham. Abraham. Who is the uncle? Abraham or Lot? So, Abraham is the uncle, Lot is the nephew. So, by hierarchy, who should take first choice? Abraham. Abraham sees the problem. This is not good. We need to settle this peacefully. Right? So what did Abraham propose? Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. Or if to the right, then I will go to the left. What did Abraham do? What did Abraham do? He let Lot choose. He had first option. He had the first choice. He didn't insist, well, I'm the uncle. I'm the one to whom God promised the blessing. Therefore, I choose and you take whatever is left over for you. What did Abraham do? Abraham? Uh, I don't want any problem. I don't want any strife. Isn't the whole land before us? Okay, you choose. So that there will be no argument, so that there will be no quarrel. If you choose going to the right, I will choose going to the left. If you choose going to the left, then I will choose going to the right. Peace. Yes? Economic suicide. I am a herdsman. I want the best grazing land. I want the best business opportunity. What if Lot chooses the nice piece of property and I am left with the bad piece of property? What happens to my herd? What happens to my income? What happens to my economy? Well, anyway, I'm the uncle. No, 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 no. I choose first. But what did Abraham do? You choose first. He was a man of humility. He let his nephew choose first. So what did Lot do? Lot lifted his eyes and saw that was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. So what did Lot do? He saw with his eyes. He saw the valley of the Jordan which was watered everywhere. It was so lush. It was so beautiful that what? As the Bible describes it, it was like the garden of the Lord. Rich like the land of Egypt as you go to Zor. So, what did Lot do? When he saw with his eyes, this is the good property. When he saw this, he said, this is a good land. I just got this off the internet, okay? You just Google Valley of the Jordan. And this is what comes out. One of the pictures. Is it a good land? Is this good for grazing? You have water. You have shelter of the mountains on certain sides. This is good land. Yes? Now, what might the other option be? Either this or maybe... Now, what would you choose? If you are a herdsman. This or this? Ah, Brother Bobby chooses that one because he wants his herd to die. (laughs) I think, uh, Bobby, you're not in the herd's uh, business. You're not in the flock. You are in the carcass business. (laughs) Naturally speaking, because we are human beings, of course, Lot saw this. This is the best property. Compared to this, oh, what what will live? What will survive in this desert? Right? So what did Lot do? So Lot chose for himself the valley of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. So Abraham went one way. Lot went the other. And what happened? They had peace. There was no strife. Everybody happy. Why? Why? Because Abraham to choose, chose to humble himself. You choose first. Wherever you choose, I will go the opposite way. Why? Because there's already becoming strife. There's already becoming competition. There's already becoming contention. And we don't like that. We are brothers. So you choose. So Lot chose. So they parted ways. And where did Abraham settle? Abraham settled in the land of Canaan... While Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Where did God want Abraham to be in the first place? Canaan. So where was Abraham? Abraham chose to be in the center of God's will. It was God's will for Abraham. To settle in the land of Canaan. Abraham kind of wavered in his faith when the famine came. Then he went to Egypt. But God rebuked him. He went back to Canaan. Where God originally intended for him to settle. So Abraham was in the center of God's will. While Lot, on the other hand, went and pitched his tents where? Where? Near Sodom. So, if you look at a map, for example, you see there Hebron. And you see Sodom. Now, if you see Sodom, Sodom has a body of water quite close to it. On the other side, Hebron doesn't seem to have any vegetation. Mostly desert. Right? If you're just using your human eyes. Canaan, whatever condition it was during that time, is the precise land that God wanted Abraham to be in. Lot, on the other hand, chose to live near Sodom. No problem. I am neighbors with you, Hefner, in the Playboy Mansion. No problem. Right? I don't live in the Playboy Mansion. I live just beside. No problem. Really? Really? Lot chose to live in Sodom. Now, look, the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly. And what? And sinners against the Lord. But the land was blessed, it was fertile, it was green, it had water. Right? Sodom, uh, Lot chose that place. Now, eventually, and we will go in in greater detail, eventually, what happened to this place? Then the Lord, in Genesis 19, verse 24, The Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. Why? Because it was a wicked place. Do you remember Genesis 6? God did the restart. How? By the flood. And he promised to Noah, Never again will I destroy all living things through a flood. And from that time on, the judgment of God was executed by fire and brimstone. All the way to the book of Revelation. Do you see how consistent God is? What did he do? He sent fire and brimstone to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. So what happened? From this picture, again due to the internet, what happened to this place? Now, you see the difference? From this to this, God judged this place. Now no more water. Now no more vegetation. Why? Because God rained down fire and brimstone to destroy the cities and all the inhabitants. On the other hand, the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him, Now lift your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, and eastward, and westward. So if I'm Abraham, okay, God, now what? For all the land which you see, I will give it to you, and to your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, So that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Lot lived near Sodom as a sojourner, as a traveler. Abram received the blessing, he became the owner of all that he could see as far north, south, east, and west. Now, you want to be the owner or you want to be a tenant? You want to be the owner. How did Abraham become the owner? Because he was in the center of God's will. I want you to live in Canaan. So even if that place was desert, dry, and barren, that's where God wanted him to be. And because Abraham was faithful, looking to God, believing in the promise of God, and was willing to obey. Remember the triangle of blessing? What happened? God blessed him. What was the blessing? Those of you who are white hair like me, you know the song. They sing it. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. That's what the Bible says. Who gave it? God. Now, do you want to receive or do you want to grab? Lot took the opportunity to move his tent to a place of wickedness, to a place where people are evil, which eventually God destroyed. Abraham, on the other hand, trusted God. Okay, God, no matter what it is, because you said you want me here. Okay? Okay. Now Abraham look north south east west as far as you can see that land is yours i give it to you all the land which you see i give it to you not only to you but to your descendants when when forever for ever I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. There is a big problem. Abraham was 75. He has no children. His wife is barren. She is passed beyond childbearing years. Her womb is dried up. How can my descendants be innumerable as the dust? How can Abraham believe that? Why? Because he believed God. He did not rely on his circumstances he looked beyond his situation he looked to God God faith translates to obedience the bonus is the blessing Abraham looked to God he knew God promised him and he decided to obey and when he obeyed that's when the blessing came what else for to whom then in Isaiah 40 God is challenging Abraham. If you can count the dust, so your offspring can be counted, so your descendants can be counted. Now, who is giving this promise? God. What is, look at God in Isaiah 40 verse 25. To whom then will you liken me, that I would be his equal? To whom? Nobody. Says the Holy One, lift up your eyes on high, and see who has created these stars. Now, if you are here this morning, and you like to count, can you tell me how many stars there are? Because I want to know. I want to meet you. You are unique. You are special. I mean, imagine you can count all the stars. Then my second question. Oh, no, I'm special child. <laughs> Not only can you count, you name the stars. You know each one by name. Do you see that? The one who leads forth their host by number, he calls them by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. This is the kind of God that we have. So if he is like this, if he has this power, can he bless you? Yes. Can he bless Abraham? Can he fulfill his promise to say, I will bless you and your descendants will be so innumerable as the dust if indeed you can Count the dust. If God knows each star by name, does He not know the situation you are in? Is He not more capable than pulling you out of this situation or blessing you in the midst of your situation? He knows everything that's going on in you, my friend. Some things you yourself don't even know yet, but He already knows it. Because that is the kind of power and might that our God has. And if he's the kind of God that will bless Abraham beyond reason, beyond everything that is humanly possible, this is the kind of God that I like to know. This is the kind of God that I like to obey. He knows even the hairs, the numbers of the hairs on our head. He said in the Gospels through His Son, Jesus Christ, He said, Aren't sparrows sold very cheap? How much more does your Heavenly Father love you over the sparrows? But when problems come our way, when tribulations come our way, who is the first to get blamed? God. Abraham believed God and he obeyed. He didn't use his eyes of faith. His his human eyes. He chose to use eyes of faith. Lot chose the better Jordan Valley. Abraham was left with whatever was left over from Lot's choice. But God chose to bless Abraham. He said, look, north, south, east, west, all the land, all that is yours. I will give to you and your descendants forever. And he said, Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there, what did he do? He built an altar to the Lord. Here you go again. You see, every time Abraham encountered God, you will notice what did he do? He worshipped. He built an altar. He worshipped. He built an altar. That's the only concrete thing that he did. He built an altar and worshipped the Lord. See, north, south, east, west. As far as your feet will carry you, to all those four, that land is yours. And when he encountered God again and God reminded him of his promise and gave him that promise, what did he do? He worshiped the Lord. You see, even if you see this, God can make this parched barren and dry land something like this. This is a picture from the top of the mountain in Israel. I also took a picture from the same place and you see how lush the vegetation is. Why can this kind of vegetation, why can it grow in the desert? I have no other explanation for you except that the hand of God, His favor, is on this land this is the land that God chose for Abraham where the Hebrew race will be birthed where they would live and God said this land is yours forever and if God says that this land is yours forever no one but no one can take it away do you know that if you hold the Filipino passport you don't need a visa to enter Israel Because after World War II, after everything that Hitler tried to do to the Israelites, to the Jews, there was a deadlock in the United Nations whether they would allow the state of Israel to be born and to become a nation. And it was Carlos P. Romulo, the then ambassador of the Philippines to the United Nations, who cast the vote to birth the nation of Israel. That's why you can go to Israel with your Philippine passport and enough money to buy your own ticket. <laughs> Do not ask me. for your Pastor, you said I can go to Israel. Yeah, but you have to raise your money, okay? <laughs> not because you have a Philippine passport means, you know, you, you just go. Why, how are you going? Uh, my pastor said, I can, yes, yes, I know. But you need to buy a ticket too. All right? So, Lot chose to trust his eyes. Abraham, on the other hand, chose to trust the promise of God. And what did God do to parched, dry and arid land? He blessed the land. He blessed the land. Why? Because he promised it to Abraham. And here in Isaiah 31, there is a warning. Woe to those who go down to Egypt, the land of blessing. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because there are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Lot chose to trust in the land. Lot did not choose to trust in God. Abraham Decided to trust God no matter what. Even if he got the hilly plains and the hilly mountains and dry and allied place, it was God who blessed that land. Isaiah writes, Woe to you who trust in chariots and horses. You see, during that time, your, your strength as a nation would depend on how big an army, how strong of an army you had. And Isaiah is telling, woe to you if you trust chariots, men, and horses and not look to God. Woe to you. You know that Abraham chose and decided to follow God because he was looking beyond what his human eyes could see. Hebrews 11 verse 9 says by faith he meaning Abraham he lived as an alien in the land of promise as in a foreign land where the Canaanite and the Perizzites you see pastor Danny is from Canaan the Perizzites <laughs> by faith by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise as in a foreign land dwelling in the tents pastor libre kaya sa Canaan in tents, and Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Look at verse 10. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Woe to you who trust in horses and chariots, in horsemen, and gold and riches. Woe to you, for you do not look to God. Abraham could have chosen the good land, but that would have been against the will of God for him. So what did he do? He chose to look beyond the situation. He chose to look beyond the present reality. He chose to look beyond the here and the now. He was looking to the place, that place that God was building, that city that God was building, whose architect and builder is God. Friends, don't invest your life here on this earth. Invest your life for heaven. Because that is where our eternal dwelling place is being prepared by no less than Jesus Christ. Moses was one like Abraham. He grew up in Pharaoh's household as the prince of Egypt. Yet what does the Bible say? By faith, Moses... When he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Why? For he was looking to the reward. He was not looking for earthly reward. He was not looking for monetary riches. He was looking to the reward that God is preparing for him. That God is preparing for us. Now you see it. No you don't. Because our eyes see the here and the now. But God is preparing something greater for us. The Apostle Paul, likewise, gave up so many things. He said, but whatever things were gained to me, Philippians 3 verse 7 onwards. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ. Well, Pastor Paul, wasn't, he was not rich. He was not like Abraham. He was not uh, the prince of Egypt. How can you say that he lost so many things? Paul was a Pharisee. He was a man of position, a religious leader. And we are, when you are a religious leader, you have position, you have power. Oh. You have position, you have power, you have influence. And yes, you have money too. You have influence. And what did Paul do? I gave up everything. I give up everything. Why? For the sake of knowing Christ. So even if he was a Pharisee, member of the Sanhedrin, position, power, money, influence, he chose to become a tent maker. To act out his own livelihood so that he can support his own ministry. So that he would not be beholden to anyone. As a matter of fact, that word... I suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish. That word rubbish is excrement, human waste. Now, you like human waste? That's how contrast, the contrast that Paul is saying. All of this is rubbish. All of this is human waste compared to knowing Jesus Christ, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. That I may know him in the surpassing knowledge of him who died for me. What are you giving up to know God? Or what are you holding on to that prohibits you from knowing God completely? Are you trusting chariots? Are you trusting horsemen? Are you trusting your abilities on your blessings? And forgetting God? Woe to you, Isaiah writes. You see, even the King Jehoshaphat, when there was a huge army going against him, he prayed to the Lord. He didn't trust on his army. He said, O oh, our God, will you not judge, men, judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And when God answered their prayer, he said, King Jehoshaphat, look again. And God opened the eyes of King Jehoshaphat. And for the first time, he saw the legions of angels that God had surrounded the land, who devoured and vanquished their enemies. Oh yes, you may see it now, but maybe you don't. Some may trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. How can you trust in the name of the Lord? I don't know what you're going through, but let me share with you about this person who's close to my heart. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. Talking about the body which is our earthly tent, which decays, And eventually will die. For our light and momentary troubles are are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. Our life here on earth is temporary. It is fleeting. This life will soon pass away. But God is preparing for us a building, not made by human hands, prepared for and designed by Jesus Christ himself. Now look at this picture. I put her name there because you might confuse them. Our sister, Bola Taylor, that's her nurse right there. They are CCF's missionary to Japan. If you are an overseas missionary, you will know, you will understand that the Japan is the graveyard of missionaries why because it's very hard to preach Christ in that culture in that society Bola and her husband Ken ministered the gospel ministered the word of Christ through music and of all kinds of music the Japanese people are very enamored with black gospel music believe it or not so they minister to these people by teaching them black gospels, oh happy day oh happy day they have 300 400 member choir competing with one another singing black gospel music okay but do you see why does she have a nurse this person together with her husband is faithfully serving God But God allowed her to have cancer. She was treated for so many months. Finally, the the tumors became so small that they became operable. So the doctor operated and removed as much. The doctor said, we remove everything. So they were sent home. But then, came back. And it came back with a vengeance. And it's now inoperable. That nurse, is the one taking care of her in their home because they've already been sent home. We can't do anything medically anymore. Her birthday is fast coming. Now, if you are this person and your eyes are not focused on God, your eyes are focused on the here and the now, in your predicament, in your situation, will you think of having a concert? But that's what she decided to do. She and her husband decided to have a concert. As a matter of fact, the concert is today. By now, LA time, the concert is probably finished. The prayer request is please pray that Bola will be strong enough to be able to do this one last concert. To show that our God is mightier than our situation. Why can't she do this? Because 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now you see it. No, you don't. God is preparing something. God is preparing something better than your present situation. And if God doesn't change your situation, you still have God. We walk by faith. And not by sight. Lot chose to live by sight. And what happened? He moved to Sodom, which was destroyed. Abraham chose to walk by faith. And God blessed him and gave him the land. St. Augustine said this, Faith is to believe what we do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what we believe. Even if it does not happen, I choose to trust God. What should you and I do? Follow what the writer of Hebrews says. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We should fix our eyes on Jesus. What did Jesus do? He went to the cross. He endured the cross. He despised the embarrassment and the shame of being naked. He took your sin and mine and he nailed them to the cross. When you and I have problems, when you and I have trials, look to the cross. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith because his work on the cross is finished that's why he sat down my work is done it's finished do you know that even Jesus Christ himself continued to focus on God the Father look at what first Peter 2 says he committed no sin nor was any deceit found in his mouth and while being reviled he did not revile in return while suffering he uttered no threats but what But kept entrusting himself to him, God the Father, who judges righteously. Father, if it be, let this cup pass. Yet not my will, but thy will be done. He kept on him trusting himself to the Father, the one who judges righteously. Righteously. You and I, we should fix our eyes on Jesus too. And why did Jesus Christ go to the cross? He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. For what purpose? So that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Coming to faith in Christ. The grace of God is a free gift. Salvation is a free gift, but it does not come free to you. It does not come free to you because it comes free to you because Jesus Christ paid for it. There is a cost. And coming to faith in Christ, if you look at this verse, has a responsibility. Yes, Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive you of your sin. But if you come to faith in Christ, there is a responsibility to what? Do you see it in the verse? To live a life of righteousness. That's called what? Obedience. Because how will you experience the reality of the promise of God if you are not willing to obey? Many people come to Christ, period, and do not realize that there is a responsibility to live. For Christ, to turn away from sin and to live for Christ. Jeremiah 17 says this, and we contrast and then we'll close. This is what the Lord says Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Where does this man live? In the desert, in the dry and arid land. Our brother Ike shared with this, the drought. Why? Why does this man live this way and in this place? Because he chose to trust in men in contrast blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out root its roots by the stream it does not fear when heat comes its leaves are always green it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit you want this You want to trust in man? You want to trust in your capabilities? You want to trust in what you have? Or you want to trust in God? Where your fruit tree will always bear fruit, it will never be parched. Why? Because God is on your side. What do you choose? You see, just as there are False blessings, there are also true blessings. Proverbs 10.22 says, It is what? The blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord that makes rich, He adds no sorrow to it. So if you look at your life, and you are rich, but you are sorrowful, and you are pierced with a lot of problems, My friend, could it be that that blessing is not from the Lord? I told you last week, right? Satan can also bless you. When he tempted Jesus Christ, he said, Worship me and I will give you half of all the kingdoms. True blessings, the blessings that really come from God, have no sorrow attached to it. You're like that tree. Even when there is heat, your leaves are green. Even when the land is parched, your tree will bear fruit. I hope you see beyond your situation and look past the reality and look for the eternity. Because God tells us what? Seek first. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And then what will follow? And all these things, all these things that you're running after, all these things that you desire, all these things that you want, what will happen? And all these things will be added unto you. Those that God allows, they are for you. Those that God withholds, they're not good for you. But are you willing to trust God? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Do you believe that God is a blesser? Do you believe that God is a rewarder? You know, the greatest reward that you and I can have is to be able to spend eternity with God in heaven. Have you come to that point? That you have really surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? That you can say that you are a child of God. That you can say that you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've already done so. But you're having problems in your spiritual walk. You're hitting a roadblock. You're hitting a detour. And you don't know what to do. Can I encourage you? Don't use your human eyes. And instead of using your human eyes, can you use eyes of faith? So and then ask God, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Can you show me the way? Let's pray. God Almighty. Thank you for the example of Abraham who chose to see beyond his reality, who did not allow his herds, his silver, and his gold to deafen his ears upon what you wanted him to do. Abraham, the man of faith, chose to trust you. He chose to live in Canaan, whereas Lot chose to live in Sodom. God, I pray for anyone and everyone here who needs to come to faith in you. Perhaps we have come to faith in you in the past, but we're not really sure. God, will you examine all of our hearts this morning? And if Jesus Christ is not there, if Jesus Christ is not in the center of our hearts, will you speak, Lord? And if you're that person this morning who needs Christ in your life, just ask Jesus, Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I have sinned against you and I cannot save myself. I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come into my life. will be my Savior and my Lord. Change me from the inside out. Turn me from this world. Turn me to you. If you're here this morning, and you need the Spirit of God afresh in your lives, just confess to the Lord because He is faithful and just, not only to forgive you of your sin, but cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He said, return to me, and I will return to you. Go ahead, brother and sister. Speak to the Lord. God Almighty, we thank you for the truth of your word. Allow us to see Lord God beyond our circumstances using our eyes of faith so that God, in the process, we will see you in all of our circumstances. Father, we praise you. We worship you. We glorify you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I dismiss you, My hope and my earnest desire is you will change from now you see it, no you you don't, to now you see it, yes I do.